0: If you're seeing people's anxiety rates increasing. Burnout is on the increase. HR directors tell me it's one of their biggest concerns for Q4 2021 and people are stressed. They've been stressed for a year and a half and there's so much change still happening as we're moving from home working to hybrid working or having to come back into the office. Mental health, physical and emotional, psychological well-being need to be at the forefront of any leader's strategy. And as we mark World Mental Health Day this week, I want to share with you today why having mental health first aiders in an organization isn't enough, and what we can be doing on a practical level instead. The Soul Led Leaders podcast is for corporate leaders who are making waves and changing the rules with their hearts, not just their heads, but they know that their secret 3am self-talk is getting in the way. Where others stress about the status quo, you're the action taker who drives the changes and making a difference and being a crusader is hardwired into your DNA. The Soul Ed Leader Podcast is here to help led by Claire Yosa, law changer, eight times author and international speaker. Each episode is designed to help you to clear out the secret glass ceilings you never realized you'd put in your own way so that you can step up showing up with all of who you really are and reclaim your power to make the difference you know you are really here to make in the world with clarity, confidence and passion. So Work Mental Health Day isn't just about sharing happy memes on social media or sharing our stories it's an encouragement to take concrete action but what can we do And in the UK, we're about to have legislation come in that means that employers are actually going to be held responsible for the psychological and emotional safety at work of their employees. So what can we do to create and grow workplaces that support people to thrive? Lots of organisations are brought in great initiatives like um, self-care days, having meeting free days, offering free massages for their staff, having therapists that can come in that you can talk to But the thing is, there's more to self-care and mental health and psychological and emotional well-being than the occasional massage or going for a walk at lunchtime. So a lot of organisations have been training team members to become mental health first aiders, which is an incredible thing to do. So a mental health first aider has the skills right there in the moment to be able to support somebody having a mental health crisis and they have specific training in how to notice different types of diagnosable mental health conditions to be able to spot whether somebody might be struggling with depression or something really serious like schizophrenia and to be able to refer them on. But here's the thing with the mental health first aiders, they don't kick in until somebody is in crisis. It has already gone too far for them. What I'm also seeing in a lot of organisations, because the people who've trained as mental health first aiders tend to be very open-hearted and really want to make a difference, is a lot of them are now being used as counsellors. They're being used as the person you go to whenever you're feeling a bit down, but they don't actually have the training to be able to deal with that. One of the things that can happen when we're stressed, when we're depressed, when we're struggling with anxiety, when we're at risk of burnout, when we're lying awake at three in the morning worrying, the actual trigger for this can often be trauma from the past. And it might not be a traumatic event, a single event. It can be something like complex PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, which is a form of trauma that's built up with repeated incidents over time. So if somebody is trying to help somebody with mental health issues and they don't have the training to be able to work as a coach or a counsellor, it can actually risk making things worse. And it puts these mental health first aiders in a position where they're being asked to do things that they want to do because they want to help, but they're not actually skilled to do. So it's not actually safe. And the problem with mental health first aiders is they don't kick in until it's got to crisis. What we need to be doing in organisations is looking at preventing people reaching a mental health crisis rather than being able to support them once they do. And this is what I would love to see organisations doing. And it's a call to action for you for World Mental Health Day. I invite you to have a look at your organization. What do they proactively do to prevent mental health issues from arising? And which decisions might be being made that could trigger The anxiety, the worry, the stress, the burnout that can lead to a mental health crisis and what could be done to change those. So the research I've been doing over the past three months into burnout shows that there are three pillars to burnout and burnout is a massive trigger for a mental health crisis. It's a sliding scale from pretty much tired all the time to completely non-functional having a mental, physical, emotional breakdown. Those three pillars are somebody's physical environment. Some working environments support us, some working environments drain us. If you're familiar with the Jung definition of introversion versus extroversion, which is about where we get our energy rather than whether somebody's shy or gregarious, somebody who runs an introversion preference can find an open plan office very draining, for example, but they might have completely thrived working from home if their environment was quiet. So the environment in which we're working can have a major impact on our burnout risk. The second pillar is the organizational culture. Is there a culture that's highly competitive where people are regularly judged and compared against each other and I'll be publishing these results soon and they're quite frightening, okay? The there is a direct link in the results from the research between how often somebody perceives they're being judged and compared and criticized. And how high their burnout risk is, okay? (laughs) Are people expected to do long hours? Are they being called back into the office for no reason other than to sit behind their laptop and do team or Zooms meetings that they could have done from home? There is so much in a company culture that can either accidentally trigger burnout and mental health issues or can foster healthy emotional, physical, psychological well-being. And the third pillar of burnout was our habits, And this is where I love to work with people because I can work with an organisation to help them to shift their culture, to help them look at the environment. But the habits is something we can work on for ourselves. There's a reason why two people can go through the same experience and one of them will just flow through it and the other one will fall apart, okay? Some of this might be down to traumatic conditioning from previous events, but a huge amount of it is down to our habits and how we react to what's going on around us. Yeah. The brown stuff hits the fan. Some people just seem to get on through. Some people seem to fall apart and it hits them hard. The habits, the thought habits, how we've programmed our body to respond to stress without even realizing the other things that we're doing in our life that either help us to calm down, generally relax, or build up our stress level so it becomes chronic stress and even long-term anxiety and hypervigilance where we're constantly on the lookout for perceived threats, a lot of that comes from inside us. When we learn how to choose which thoughts to feed and we demote our inner drama queen or inner drama king so they no longer kick off when anything happens, when we reclaim our personal power to choose how to respond to a situation When we deal with the toxic boundaries that might mean we've ended up in a situation where somebody's bullying us and we don't feel confident to stand up for ourselves or do something about it, when we deal with that inside stuff and those habits, we become naturally resilient rather than what I call toxic resilience where we have to bounce back and we are able to get back in flow, massively reducing the likelihood of burnout, having a huge positive impact on mental health reducing anxiety, reducing stress, improving productivity, improving performance, creating a happier, thriving team. And at the moment, another major factor in burnout is imposter syndrome. If you followed my work for a while, you'll know about my model, the four P's of imposter syndrome. We've got four warning signs that are really clear. You're looking for changes in these in someone's behavior. They are perfectionism, procrastination, project paralysis, And people pleasing, and there's a link to a bigger definition and explanation of those in the show notes for this episode at soulledleaders.fm forward slash twenty six. So the burnout research study I've been running—these are teasers here—has also shown that the more severe somebody's imposter syndrome is, and the more they're having to cope with it and push on through it, the higher their risk is of burnout the higher their risk is of mental health crisis. This is why we need to be starting at the preventative stage. If we just train up everybody to become a mental health first aider, which I know a major organisation this week has suggested we do, we have loads of people equipped to deal with a crisis, but nobody who's there in the team to be able to prevent it in the first place. So one of the questions I really invite you to think about for your organisation with World Mental Health Day is, being really honest, what are we doing as an organization that could worsen someone's mental health? What are we doing as an organization that could worsen someone's mental health? And I'm not suggesting we wrap people in cotton wool. Yeah, we all know there's a, there are objectives to meet, there are client deadlines, internal deadlines, but the way we meet them can change. We can look at being in flow, being in the zone, peak performance, rather than fighting, rather than feeling like we're forcing, like we're pushing, which leads to mental health issues. And one of the big triggers for a mental health crisis I'm seeing in organisations at the moment is with a lot of them demanding, and I don't use that word lightly, that their staff return to the office, even using phrases like, it's time to go back to work. You know, these people have been doing 14 hour days throughout the pandemic, juggling everything. Yeah. This is causing huge stress for a lot of people. Unless there is a specific event to go in for, a lot of them are finding they're just sitting behind a hot desk and they don't know who last used that computer, that computer keyboard yet. Yeah? And they're doing the same Zoom meetings that they could have been doing from home. A lot of people are feeling put under pressure to go back for a certain number of days a week without any real rationale or justification. And for a lot of parents, they're struggling with that because the childcare simply isn't there that was there before the pandemic to allow them to do a full day in the office if that's combined with a commute, for example. A lot of people are struggling because of train availability, because there are fewer services and many of the routes have changed, making it much harder for them to get into the office. A lot of people are scared about going on public transport or coming into the office, particularly if they've got a loved one that they're shielding, or if they feel they're particularly vulnerable to COVID. We need to be making decisions with people instead of directing. And if we look at taking preventative measures to ensure that everybody has the maximum opportunity to keep positive mental health in the working environment, we need to look at those three pillars of burnout. What's happening in somebody's working environment? How might the company culture influence the likelihood of somebody burning out or somebody having a mental health crisis? And then we need to work with people, make resources available for them to learn the habits to rewire their neural pathways that their inner critic doesn't beat them up as much so that they don't end up going down the drama queen spiral that so often happens for us tiny throwaway comment from someone suddenly gets over dramatized in our heads yeah so they genuinely know how to reset the stress response even if they need to be doing that 20 times a day so that they can grow their confidence to be able to reset toxic boundaries so that they can rewire their body because a lot of the stress we feel is actually due to the body's addiction to the adrenaline and the cortisol, then kicking off the thoughts that give it a hit. It's having training in place, having people in place who can support somebody if they're having a wobble long before it gets to a mental health crisis. If your organisation would be interested in this, it's one of the reasons I created my Certified Imposter Syndrome First Aiders programme. This is actually a preventative programme. So it trains people in your organization to be able to support in that moment if somebody's having a wobble or they're about to self-sabotage or they're asking for help with imposter syndrome. It also gives people the deeper skills to be able to help people one-to-one, to be able to start to turn their inner critic into a genuine, positive cheerleader to be able to reduce their anxiety through practical strategies that you can implement to prevent, in most cases, a mental health crisis, rather than waiting until it's too late. You can find out about that and doors are now open for the next enrolment at com forward slash first aider. And to wrap up today, I'd love to hear from you. What is your organisation doing to mark World Mental Health Day this year? And what would you love to see your organisation doing on a preventative basis to allow everybody to feel safe mentally, physically, psychologically, emotionally, to be able to give their best, to fulfil their potential and to thrive in the workplace and beyond? You can get in touch with me. The show notes are at SoulledLeaders.fm forward slash 26. And I'll be back next week when I'm going to be talking about how you can raise the topic of imposter syndrome with a team member or colleague without scaring them off or hitting the ego button. This is something I get asked so often at the end of keynotes, and I'm going to spill the beans on some practical things that you can do in next week's episode. See you then show notes, deep dive resources, and access to Claire's inspirational weekly soul-led leaders. Email is available for you at claireyosa.com forward slash soul-led leaders.